This is Yonder. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to episode 17 of the Yonder Podcast. We get together every couple of weeks and talk about remote work, distributed companies, virtual teams, telecommuting, um, and all of those different words for essentially the same kind of thing. This week, we are talking to Megan Gizo of Zapier. Um, they're an interesting company. Uh, they have 92 people in 14 countries and 22 states. Um, they've been doing this, uh, thing they kind of got all over the news, the blogosphere recently for their delocation program, where they're basically have been offering people money to move out of the Bay Area and take a, uh, remote working job. Um, and they also, they don't use resumes for hiring people. Uh, really interesting conversation uh, with Megan. Uh, and that'll be up in just a minute. I want to tell you first about the Yonder newsletter. We've got it coming out three times a week. Really super short newsletter to keep you up to date with what's going on at Yonder and other things that we find interesting if you are thinking about remote work, managing a remote team, distributed company, even if you're just a remote worker, uh, um, it's a great way to kind of keep up with uh, all that stuff. Uh, yonder.io slash newsletters where you can find out about that. We also still have a few seats available for the Yonder conference in October, uh, October 9th through 11th in La Jolla, California. Uh, not too far from San Diego, get together with other people who are thinking about remote work, uh, distributed companies, um, and that kind of stuff. It's a small event. It's a roundtable uh, discussion for leaders, um, and you can find out more about that at yonder.io slash events. All right, let's talk to Megan Kizo. Hi, Megan. Welcome to the Yonder Podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, it's great to get you on. Um, first of all, uh, tell us where you're talking to us from. I am talking to you from Plymouth, Michigan. It's about halfway between Detroit and Ann Arbor. I've been to... I've been to both of those places. I, <laughs> but I never know. in the middle. <laughs> I don't know. I think I've, I've been to, I spent a whole long time in Farmington, was it, I think? Okay, I don't yeah. Know. Yeah, Michigan. Anyways, I don't know. Just been a lot of places. Um, uh, and you, uh, tell us what you do. So I am the HR slash people ops specialist at Zapier. So I get to work with every new and existing employee that we hire just to make sure everything's going well for them and our policies still make sense. And I get to do a lot of retreat planning too, which is like the cherry on top. Mm. Yeah. Fun stuff. How many yes. people are at Zapier these days? Um, today we are at 92, but that could change by the end of the week since we're always hiring. So we'll see. Check well, back in Friday. We will we'll, we'll delve deeply into that in a moment. Uh, t tell people sort of the uh, 
at least the sort of cocktail party version of what Zapier does. Okay, so Zapier is a workflow automation tool that allows you to connect um, any web apps that are on our platform and let them talk to each other. And right now we have over 750 apps on our platform. Wow. So you can have Google Sheets talk to Typeform or WooFoo talk to Workable. Um, any combination that you can come up with of apps on our platform. It's like every time someone rings your Wi-Fi connected doorbell, it adds <laughs> an entry into a Google spreadsheet. <laughs> Like yeah, so yeah, the goal is to eliminate repetitive tasks so people can spend more time working on things that matter. So outsource. I suppose if you wanted to record all of the people ringing your doorbell, that would be a very repetitive task. <laughs> it would be. <laughs> I don't know. It, de it depends on where you live and how many people are coming. Like Halloween, that would be <laughs> a challenge. <laughs> You might break a zap there on Halloween, depending yeah. on how many trick-or-treaters you have. But <laughs> Cool. Um, so talk to us about, so is, is, is Zapier a fully distributed company? Yes, we are 100% remote distributed, whatever you'd like to call it. We're not too picky. Um, is, there, yeah. is there a term that you tend to fall to with, with your company? Um, I'd say we use remote more than anything, mm -hmm. but kind of laid back about most things so yeah. it all means the same to us <laughs> neat and so how long has the company been around um we started in 2012 so five almost six years now mm -hmm. talk to me about sort of the evolution of the company um i guess particularly as its relationship to remote goes yeah, so um, the three co-founders, Brian Helmig, Mike Knoop, and Wade Foster, are all from Missouri, and they knew each other from college and other small-town Missouri things. So um, they had an idea for an app and brought it to Columbia Startup Week, and that was back in 2011, and they ended up winning. And then fast forward to 2012, and they were accepted to Y Combinator, and the rest is kind of history from there. So after Y Combinator, they decided um, they had some friends back in Missouri that they knew could help them get up and running. And that's kind of how it started being remote, just because, hey, we know a bunch of great people in Missouri. Uh, why find people out in California if we don't have to? And it just kind of spiraled from there. It just always made the most sense to the co-founders to work with who they want to work with um, and not really care about where they're located. Yeah. Yeah. And so that how that how has that evolved um in terms of like hiring people these days? Like where do you tend to find people to to work at Zapier? Yeah, so we find people all over. We're currently in 14 countries and 22 states in the US. So um like I said, we don't really have a preference for where you are. It can get tricky with time zones, but we don't disqualify anyone because of that. It just requires some, you know, shifted schedules on the manager's part and the employee's part, and we figure everything out. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to talk about that, too. But first, I want to talk about the um, delocation program that you guys came mm -hmm. up with recently. I thought <laughs> this was a really great and interesting idea. Uh, uh, do you want to explain that to listeners? 
Sure. So um, we were seeing lots of applicants from the Bay Area, and they were interested in working at Zapier because it would allow them to work at a tech company, which they loved, but they could move closer to family or move to a more affordable area in the country. Um, so one of our engineers actually had the idea at our last retreat for a delocation package, which is kind of a riff on the relocation package that traditional companies offer to employees sometimes. Um, so yeah, we just said if you want to work for Zapier in order to move out of the Bay Area, we'll pay you $10,000 towards moving expenses um, just to allow people to live where they want and do what they want to do. Yeah, and this is a sort of a trend I've been seeing anyways. I mean, the Bay Area has gotten so expensive uh, uh, that I've got a lot of friends who, <laughs> you know, owned houses there and realized, like, actually, if I sold my house and moved to Austin or someplace else, I would have a much better life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and it's so interesting to sort of encourage that, especially... You know, with a with a distributed company, um, you know, one of the things that that um, company leaders oftentimes sort of struggle with is this: Do you pay people different rates depending on where they live? Um, and then, you know, why would you pay someone more to live in the Bay Area, for example, if you could hire someone that's just as good that lives in Austin? And maybe it's somebody that just moved from the Bay Area to Austin. Uh, and uh, um, so I, I really like this idea, not necessarily from a, a, a frugality standpoint, um, but just sort of a, um, kind of empowerment and sort of acknowledgement of the uh, um, crazy cost of living in that area. Yeah, I mean, we kind of saw it as a win-win. So we would be able to pay people more affordable salaries and they would be able to live where they wanted to live. So, I mean, the Bay Area is beautiful, but not everybody can afford to raise a family there. So, yeah, yeah. So talk to me about um, managing people and having people all over all over the world. Um, you are mostly a a product company, correct? So, uh, so most of the people who are working at the company are sort of working with other people within the company. There's sort of uh, a, a self-orientation as opposed to more of a, like a client services kind of a thing where there's a more external uh, uh, orientation needing to work with all these clients. I'm, I'm guessing with all the integrations that you do, there's still a fair amount of integrating with outside sources. But how are you handling uh, time zone issues and, and sort of people within your company connecting with one another? Yeah, so we do have a pretty big customer support team. I think it's around 30 people. So they're always interacting with outside oh, um, true, yeah. parties. And then we actually all do support here. So we get we get our share of outside communication. But within the company, um, we have a few tools in place that we use to help us keep in touch because it is easy to just stay in Slack and forget what your coworkers look like. So we use a lot of video meetings. Um, we use Zoom for those. So we have weekly one-on-one -on -one video meetings with managers every week. Um, and then we're growing to the point where most teams are having their own team video meetings every week. Um, every Thursday, we have a company-wide video call. So everybody hops on for 30 minutes and somebody gives a lightning talk about a project they're working on or something they're just finishing up. 
And then we have weekly pair buddy chats. So that's just assigned randomly every Monday. And then you hop on a call for 30 minutes with someone and you can talk about where they're going on vacation or a project you're working on together. It can really be anything. The goal is just to make sure we're talking to people outside of our team regularly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then we do um, Airbnb onboarding. So it can be intimidating <laughs> and kind of confusing to start at a remote company and just try and get to know people through Slack and Zoom calls. So um, once you've worked here for a couple of weeks, we fly everybody who started earlier that month or at the same time as you out to Mountain View, California, and we just rent a house or two and you get to work with your manager and the co-founders and you get to play board games with people. You wouldn't get to meet until the retreat otherwise. So we, we try and keep everybody in touch and talking regularly, but there are some challenges with um, time zones like you were asking about. So the biggest one I think we're seeing is the Thursday company-wide chat. Mm-hmm. So that's held at 9 a.m. Pacific time, but depending on where you live, you could be sleeping at that time. So right. one workaround we have is um, we have an alternate team hangout. So if you live in a part of the world where you should be sleeping at 9 a.m. Pacific time once a month, they have their own hangout. And then another thing we do is just to record video calls and post them on our internal blog um, just to make sure everybody can catch up if they want to catch up. Yeah, yeah. That's um close to my magical international time for people speaking English to meet with one another is that like 8 a.m. Pacific, 9 a.m. Pacific, you can kind of get the whole kind of Western hemisphere, but you start moving. Yeah. Well, earlier this week, I was trying to schedule a call with someone in Perth, Australia, who is 12 (laughs) hours ahead of Eastern time. So I was like, all right, West Coasters, you can either wake up really early or we can ask this person to stay up really late. There's really no win here. But (laughs) yeah, yeah, I know. It's a lot of shuffling and flexibility, but... I've met so many great Australians over the years. (laughs) It's just... But scheduling with Australia, it continues to be a challenge. I don't know. I sort of... I I have... In the back of... I haven't actually done the math, but in the back of my mind, I think, like, maybe if I lived on the West Coast rather than living on the East Coast of the U.S., that it would be easier. But I don't know that it does make it. It's still... You're crossing the international date line, and there's... You go through all sorts of time warp issues. and <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely a puzzle to try and schedule interviews with candidates all over the world, but yeah. we try and figure it out. Yeah, you have to worry about killing yourself in the past and things like that. <laughs> no, I just, that's not really happening. Um, uh, so um, talk to me more about... Um, the tools that you're using to kind of keep your team connected? Um, I don't know how we would function without Slack. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Slack is the biggest one, I would say, just because it lets you get in touch with everybody as quickly as you want to. Um, And not only that, that you can get a hold of anybody at any time, but we also use it to kind of keep our culture more fun and connected. Mm -hmm. So when you work in an office, you take for granted that you get to stop by 
the coffee machine later and ask so-and-so how their new puppy is doing. Um, so we have a bunch of fun channels in Slack. So we have like fun dogs, fun beer, <laughs> uh, fun exercise. So you can join any channel that interests you and it's a good place to get to know your teammates on a different level. And then we also use async, which is our internal blog. Um, and that's where most of our announcements get put, um, project updates, things like that. And then we're using Quip to document any like processes or help docs, things of that nature. What's that called? Quip. Quip. I don't know if I'm familiar with that. Yeah. All right. Um, is there a lot of email or have you come up with other solutions for that type of communication? So within the company, we rarely use email to talk to each other, I would say. Most most communication gets done in Slack or on a Zoom call. Um, but outside of the company, we email occasionally. Uh-huh. <laughs> we use Help Scout, though, to talk to all of our um, customers. So email is pretty minimal and zappier. Wow. We've had Help Scout here on the, the podcast. It's uh, I know, Leah. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. She's in my, we have a remote people ops Slack group where people ops from remote companies can join and we can talk about the, the struggles together. So I actually pinged her not too long ago and said, I just saw you were on the Yonder podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> it was exciting to see a familiar face. It's great. We're connecting people here. That's, that's what <laughs> we like to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any other tools come to mind? Um, none that I can think of. I'd say just using Slack the most effective way that you can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the biggest one because it's really easy. We have a document we have all the new hires read that's called Drinking from the Slack Fire Hose because <laughs> you could spend all day oh, trying to catch up in channels yeah. and reading what everybody else is writing. So it's about finding a balance of what you need to do in Slack and then finding time for what you want to do in Slack. Yeah, yeah. I think with communication in general, there's sort of this question uh, as you're onboarding people about how present they should be with them, how how attentive they should be. You know, do you need to, uh, um, you know, at, at Lullabot, at least the way that, that I like to do it is because there's not that peripheral communication stuff, you're not sort of overhearing conversations in the in the office. Um, I've said CC liberally, like, it's fine, just CC people, you know, and, and we'll kind of, you know, sift through the email and not feel obligated to read every word that comes into our inbox. Um, but I know other companies have had more of a culture of you need to read every word that comes into your inbox. And therefore, they don't believe in CCing. <laughs> it's like want to keep that down to a to a minimum as possible. But for people perhaps that have come to, from that kind of a culture where they need to be responsible for every single word that comes across uh, their virtual desk, uh, you know, uh, boy, Slack could be overwhelming to try to <laughs> keep keep up with everything that everyone has said in a ninety five person company. Yeah, along that line though, we do have a goal um, to talk in Slack in public channels as much as we can yeah. as opposed to direct messages just so defaulting to transparency and people can find the info they need to find but it does get harder then to drink from said fire hose when all this stuff is going on but yeah. better to better to over communicate than under communicate yeah 
That's let's print that on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. Uh, um, are there other sort of um, philosophies and, and processes that have, have evolved at, at Zapier that you're proud of? Hmm. Let's see. That's a tough one. Well, talk to me about the, the one-on-one um, weekly meetings and kind of why and how those came about. Uh, um, we've done a similar kind of thing at, at Lullabot where we gather groups of like four or five people randomly mm-hmm. together for what we call a serendipity call. Um, and I'm, it, it, that, that happened kind of as the company was growing and it felt like we didn't really know each other as much and it was just a chance to kind of get on it without so much of a purpose. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it does, does the one-on-one serve a similar kind of, um, role? So the one-on-one is with your manager or anyone that reports to you. Oh no, um, I'm thinking of the, yeah. what you referred to as the pair buddy call. Yeah, the pair buddy call. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it just serves a purpose of, I know some places call it like a coffee chat or something like that. Um, yeah, it's pretty much just to make sure we're interacting with people that maybe we wouldn't usually interact with, or mm-hmm. maybe you do always interact with them, but you're always talking about work. So it's a good time to ask about their kids or their pets or their hobbies. Um, yeah, and it's just, you have to be really intentional intentional about communication at a remote company, I've found. You kind of take it for granted when you can stop by somebody's desk or waltz into someone's office, but here you do have to be intentional and set aside the time to get to know your teammates. But I feel like because of that, I do know my teammates so much better here than I did when I was working in an office. So, it's so funny. yeah, the, funny, the isn't it? Of, yeah, it really is. <laughs> I, I was worried I would feel like isolated and not talk to people as yeah. often as I should, but it's had, definitely had, the opposite. Had you had a remote working job before working at Zapier? No, Zapier is my first remote job and I don't know how people work in an office now. <laughs> <laughs> It's and amazing. I really how, hope I never have to go back. <laughs> how quickly that change happens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of the assumptions. Like, what, what? So, talk to me about those assumptions and uh, they get busted. So, one of them is that I'm going to feel isolated and and alone, or I will feel disconnected from the company and kind of what's happening. And and you end up finding that actually the opposite is true. Were there other things that sort of struck you along those lines? Um, I was worried that I would have a hard time staying on task because when you're at home, you have so many distractions. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've actually found the opposite to be true. (laughs) Once again, I think I'm way more on task working from home just because I don't feel... Let's see. How can I say this without sounding like I was formerly a really bad employee (laughs) working in an office? When you work in an office, sometimes you just feel like, they're taking something away from you. Like your sure. commute is two hours a day and it can kind of get you down. Yeah. Um, but working at home or remotely, wherever you choose to work, um, you just feel like the company you're working for just trusts you on another level. Right. So you want to be respectful of that and do the best work you can for them. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, once had somebody who was new starting at Lullabot say, wow, this is the first company that treated me like an adult. Yeah, and I think that is an underlying like tone of remote work that people don't 
necessarily realize at the start. People think it's we all sit around in our pajamas all day. <laughs> but really, like the the my favorite thing about working remotely is that like the level of trust that is there because it has to be there or right. the company won't function remotely and the autonomy that comes along with that because nobody's looking over your shoulder. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's just kind of built in. It's, it's uh, definitely a part you don't think about. It's not the first thing you think about when starting a remote company. It's, it's uh, not a thing you think about when taking a job at a remote company, but just the fact that, you know, when you add up, when you do all the math on it, uh, the only way that it will work, the only way to give people the amount of autonomy that they not only need, but just, it's just, Working at home is autonomy, or working, you know, remotely is an, an autonomous project, a pr- process, and requires trust. Um, mm-hmm. And that trust is really nice. <laughs> it's nice all around. Yeah, yeah. Talk to me about. Um, uh, did you call it Airbnb and onboarding? <laughs> yes, <laughs> wordplay on Airbnb. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so um, are there? So, so when someone starts at the company, there's an, an opportunity for them early on to kind of go and be physically in a place with other people from the company. Mm-hmm. Um, and how how long is that? Did you say a week? So we have. This is one of the growing pains of adding more people. Sure. Uh, it used to be we have a few people starting. Let's find a week that works for everyone. Um, now we have a set schedule for a year in advance. This is the week that people will go to Mountain View this month. Mm -hmm. So people will fly out Monday or Sunday if you're coming from overseas and you need some time to cope with jet lag. Um, And then they'll go home Friday. So it's just a few days of working together. um, And equally as important as working together and getting trained in person is just the opportunity to go out to dinner with people and play board games all night and things like that. Like the more of the team bonding stuff than the actual work aspect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, do you do company retreats as well? Yes, we do two company retreats a year. And then most teams are getting so big now that they're doing their own team retreats throughout the year as well. Wow. Where do you tend to um, have the retreats, the the company ones or Um, even those are, those are all over the place, really. So that's a lot of research that goes into finding a good location. But a in lot August, of research, yes. <laughs> yes. In August, we'll be heading to, it's called Kingbridge Center. It's outside of Toronto. They have quite a few acres. So we get to take over the whole property and just play lawn games and ride bikes and go hiking all week. Nice. Yeah, yeah. And so... Um, what tends to happen at the um, Zapier retreats? Are they more, you know, I've talked to different companies and they, you know, some are more conference-like, some are, uh, you know, at, at conference-like meaning kind of focused on um, people speaking and learning and, you know, information being mm-hmm. exchanged, keeping very kind of business-like at, or the other side of that is companies that feel like, listen, we can do business all the other times. This is a chance for us to kind of just kind of hang out. Um, Most companies kind of sit somewhere in the middle. Um, Yeah, so we have a few 
conference style talks where the co-founders or other members of the leadership team will talk about um, goals we need to update or values we need to update. But the majority of the work week, because our um, our retreats run from Tuesday to the following Monday. So Wednesday through Friday is a hackathon where we break up into groups of eight to ten people and we try and finish a project in three days. And oh, wow. the term hackathon is kind of deceiving. I know it scared me at my first retreat. I was like, <laughs> I don't know how to code. What am I going to contribute? But it can really be any project that we want to that we want to add to the company. Like one of the hackathon projects was if you go to our about page, we all have our picture there. But if you roll over the picture, everybody's got a gif of them doing something silly. So it doesn't have to be some groundbreaking project. It just anything that contributes to the company. Um, and then we give presentations on those projects, obviously. But then on Friday, we have a big like celebration that we're done with the hackathon for the week. So at our last retreat, we were outside of San Antonio, Texas. So our Friday celebration was line dancing lessons at this dude ranch type of thing. So that was fun. Um, and then Saturday <laughs> is set aside for teams to do activities together. So they can talk about team goals and then they can do whatever fun activity they want to do. And then Sunday we have as a free day where you can go explore the surrounding area with your group of work friends. And then we all head home on Monday. Wow. Yeah, sure. Huh. Great. Um, and, and so, but you're doing that twice a year? Yes, we are doing it twice a year. Woo! Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know most people do it once. Um, I'm not exactly sure how we got started on twice a year, but that's what we're sticking with for yeah. now. Yeah, it's fun if you could do it. I mean, it's great, you know? Yeah. Um, that's great. Huh. Um, are there other... Um, sort of unique solutions that you feel like Zapier has come up with for, I don't know, all the, the stuff that you do, the, the managing the humans, the resources. <laughs> well, I mean, Zaps in general just helped me do my job better. So the product really helps me. Um, so our interview process, well, our application process is a little different than the norm. I know a lot of people ask for resumes and then kind of take a look at someone's experience and decide if they'd be a good fit. But we don't ask for resumes. We just ask like five to eight um, questions on an application form that we would that some people would typically ask in the first stages of an interview. So it really we think it helps us get to know candidates a little better than a resume, um, and it helps us make a better decision who would be the best fit for the role. Um, but that would be a ton of work if the hiring managers had to go through all the forms and then add them to the applicant tracking system. So I have a zap that um, every time somebody fills out the WUFU application form, it automatically sends them over to Workable and uploads them to a certain column and then the hiring managers can just go through and click who they like and who they don't like. So that saves me a ton of time. Wow. Yeah. Neat. Um, t let me delve a little bit more into this no resumes thing, because <laughs> I'm sure there's people listening who are saying, what? Um, <laughs> so the five to eight questions that you ask, uh, are those 
more culture questions or are they experience questions? Like what, what, how, what does that look like? So it's a combination of both. It's not a predetermined set of questions. When a hiring manager decides they want to hire someone, um, that's pretty much the first stage is spinning up the application question. So we always ask people where you heard about the job, why would you be a good fit for Zapier, or why are you interested in Zapier? But then we also ask them to do some more like involved types of things for the application. Um, so for example, for our customer champion role, we give them an example ticket or an example problem that a customer might have and ask them to type up a response to see how they would respond to that. Right, so right. things like that help us get to know them better, we think, than seeing that they worked at so-and-so company for three years. Right, right. And for the more technical positions, would you ask them to like write some code or, or something like that that would be more hands-on? Yeah, we yeah. do that. Um, we try and keep it as manageable as manageable as possible. We know people have lives outside of applying for a job at Zapier, so we try and be respectful of that. Um, But just things that if you have the proper experience, that it'll show through in that rather than a resume. I love it. And for some roles, we do ask for resumes as part of that application form, but we don't think they're always necessary. Yeah. No, I'm I'm with you. I I found resumes to be... There's not usually a correlation between the resume and the person. <laughs> yeah, and it's not always fair to the candidate. After you look at 30 resumes, your yeah. eyeballs are fried, and are you really giving everybody the fairest shot there? So Right, right. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, huh. What else you got? What else is... <laughs> <laughs> no resumes. I'm amazed. That's well, great. we uh, also do a skills test for every role. So I know that's common for the interview process for um, some more technical roles yeah. like developers, but mm-hmm. we do it for every role. So we recently hired an HR and people ops assistant. So even she had to take a skills test as part of the interview process. Mm-hmm. And part of that was here's a list of people. This is where they're going. Um, what flights would you book for these people? Uh Or here's people that need to be scheduled for an interview with these three managers. How are you going to figure out the time zone? So just gives, it gives us an idea of how people will perform in the job, but it also gives people a taste of what they'll be doing to see if they're even interested in that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I know that there are some companies that tend to even draw out that process a little bit more. They do sort of a test project with someone uh, before they'll hire them on. Mm-hmm. Uh, is Are you finding this to be a substitute for a test project or um, it sort of has a similar sort of functionality, right? Where, where you're testing out their stuff skills by having right. them kind of well do- it kind of varies on the role so for yeah. some for some roles it makes sense to do a take-home assignment or have a mock-up something for a partner or something like that um, but for some roles it just makes more sense to say here's an hour how much can you get done yeah so it really it varies by the role so we have a lot of things that are the same <laughs> for all roles but there's a lot of room for hiring managers to get creative too yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, that's all really uh, interesting stuff. Um, yeah. 
Um, hmm. I love it. <laughs> um, well, Megan, thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast and, and, uh, sharing all that stuff with us. Um, if people wanted to follow up, uh, with you, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Um, I would say email. I know I said we don't use email very much, but <laughs> well, I do check much- my email because outside parties do contact me. <laughs> all right. And your email address is what? Um, I'm going to give you the like aggregate job sure, email that's so I don't to have go. to spell my name yep. <laughs> and confuse everyone. Jobs at zapier.com. All right. Super. And also people can follow Zapier on Twitter and the various social medias to see. Yes. And then actually, the if you go to our about page on the site, everybody's email address is listed if you scroll over their photo. So oh. if somebody really wants to find my email, it's out there. And while you're scrolling, you also get a little video of them. Yes. You can see me cross stitching the Zapier logo. <laughs> Great. Well, thank <laughs> you so much for, uh, for coming on the podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Okay. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye.